zombies have taken over the world, and the world needs heroes. Hi folks, Timothy Harvey, the OutbreakChallenge.com has become sponsor of Zompocalypse Now. Use your real life steps and exercise to run from and battle the zombies on an interactive fitness adventure in the apocalyptic wasteland. You can do this alone, you can do it with your friends, see who survives. They have 17 different races and challenges to choose from. All of them have unique stories and themes. If you survive the challenge, they'll send you a real life medal. Now, this thing will easily pair with your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, other smart wearables. It is definitely a fun way to stay in shape or get back in shape after the last couple of years. We could probably all use some help with that. Now, if you want to try the Outbreak Challenge for yourself, you can save 15% off by going to their website, OutbreakChallenge.com, pick the race you want, and enter in the code ZOMBIERUN to save 15% off. That's our coupon code, ZOMBIERUN you get as listeners of the show to take advantage of the outbreak challenge try this out for yourself see if it works for you thanks so much folks and now let's get into our episode do you fear the zombie uprising are you prepared to survive what's coming if you listen very carefully you might just make it out alive this is zompocalypse now guys um guess how many bird names there are um i'm guessing 40 50 bazillion gajillion there's a little over ten thousand bird names awesome my guess was 322 uh there is an interview with the the guys who are running the show right now and they said that they looked up a whole bunch of bird names picked the ones that were cool and said, "Oh no, this one's dumb, and we can't. Uh, we can't. Oh God, Lenny will kill us if we call him that." <clears throat> so they have a list of of bird names, which is great and it sounds wonderful. But I I'm looking at the list of bird names, and if this little civilization here has um, under ten thousand people, that's okay. But if they're anywhere close to having ten thousand people, there is somebody in that community named Wedge Build Babbler. There is absolutely 100% someone named Wedge on that community. That is a kick-ass name, T- Timothy Harvey. It's the I'm, Babbler part. I'm surprised they didn't they didn't name Morgan uh, like the Shrike or something. Well, so yeah. the, the Grackle. The, well, the Shrike is our lady, who is uh, our our female bad guy here. Oh really? She her name's Shrike. Yeah. So we also have names like uh, Flycatcher, Laughing Thrush, Puffbird. There's some guy walking around. His name is Puffbird. Can I just tell you that that young lady who is playing Shrike uh, was on one of my favorite shows, Teen Wolf, the Teenaged Wolf. Uh, which was a sexy uh, reinterpretation of the 80s movie starring Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. Talk about a warbler. And she she played a character who was crazy and also a banshee. 
And yep. she had that great, like, bug-eyed look, you know, <laughs> to get to really to really sell. I am mentally unstable in a sexy teenage way. And when I saw her tonight, I was like, oh, look, it's that, that girl who I like from that show that I enjoyed. <laughs> Hi, folks. This is the Zompocalypse Now podcast. Uh, this is the first episode of the final season of Fear the Walking Dead. I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. And I'm Curtis. And the name of this episode is Remember What They Took From You. It is an episode where all I kept thinking was, you know, you know the whole bit with the exorcism, the power of Christ compels you. I kept thinking mm. the power of convenience compels you because the sheer amount of, well, of course they did because it's convenient that happens in this episode is pretty amazing. I mean, this is like some shameless, just, oh, we're not going to apply logic. Let's just have things happen. You're going to have to back that up. Oh, okay. Um, Because uh, I felt like this episode was a bunch of brand new writers going, we don't give a shit what happened last year. We're just going to do this. (laughs) Oh, oh, absolutely. I I Um, agree with that. But there's so many things that happen in this episode that just simply would not happen unless there was a screenwriter involved. But we are in the same situation that we're always in. Community of, of people run by a crazy asshole. And then Kim Dickens is going to come sledgehammer the shit out of everybody and then burn it to the fucking ground. Because because Madison, I'm sorry, Lark, has a hammer and she's coming for you. Yeah, so you can hear her coming from the wheezing. <laughs> <laughs> Madison is Darth Vader. Um, yeah, so all of our, the, the naming conventions and the reason I mentioned the whole number of bird names, the naming conventions of our bad guys is they give everybody bird names, which there's actually a whole bunch of different larks and a whole bunch of different wrens. There's like 22 species of wren. So, I mean, there's a whole, there's a lot of repetition here. Now, of course, there's plenty of Timothy's in the world and Dustin's in the world and Curtis's in the world. So, but still, it's a little, okay, it's a thing they're doing. I'm sure it will have reasons of some kind. Yeah, okay, so 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 conveniences? All right, sure. Um, in this entire settlement, in seven years, because we have a time jump, the child full the grown up the, the eight-year-old version of Mo conveniently stumbles across the cell that Madison is being held in. There are no guards on this cell. There is nothing stopping this girl from just wandering in. Like, I don't know, a lock on the door? That's how it works in YA fiction, Tim. Uh, yeah. The heroine, the heroine who's going to save the world always wanders up across the one thing that's going to make her question her entire society on accident because nobody is thinking about guarding that thing. I, I understand that, but it's convenient as all hell. And then... This child who is training to defend her her settlement opens the door to the cell because that made sense. And then the only two guards who show up are apparently the only two guards in the settlement 
or the only person between them and the boat they immediately teleport to. I mean, we're getting all sorts of out of order, buddy. Um, we need to let's let's calm down, Timothy. It's Fear the Walking Dead. It is the stupidest damn writing. Again, have you ever even have you even again. told the people who we are and what we're doing yet? Yes, I know. Did we do that? Yeah, yes. we said our names and stuff. And then yeah. he immediately went on a tear. That's right, because it's Fear the Walking Dead. And thank God we're out of the radiation zone. But it gives me a whole new set of things to complain about. And I at least I can appreciate that. Okay, well, if we're going to complain, let's start at the very beginning. Would you like to know why? Because it's a very good place to start. It's the very best place to start. <laughs> It's the very beginning uh, with Morgan being uh, tied and and hooded, brought into an interrogation room uh, where he is interrogated by Padre, who is a mysterious figure we only hear through speakers, uh, Charlie style, Alvala Charlie's Angels. And this is a bit of a revelation because for all of the previous references to Padre, it's been a place. Mm -hmm. It is a place, but it is also a person. So it is a place and a guy. You know what what things are when they're a place and a guy? They're cults. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, through the Walking Dead and cults. Okay, check. Yes. Okay, we're back to we're back to the basics. We got Madison back, and we got a cult. All right, move it along. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's the basics right there. But this happens. Uh, minutes after or hours after the very last scene of the yes. last season. Right. So this yeah, is where we're at. Right. It's it's mere moments later. And Madison's standing there like a badass. And and then uh and, and then Shriek, Shrike? Shrike. Shrike comes in and she's got a baby monitor and she's all like, I've got the big crazy eyes. And uh, and they turn on the baby monitor, and it's a baby crying. And we are supposed to infer, by the way, that uh, that Morgan's nipples begin to lactate, that it is Mo that we are hearing. And of course, that throws all his plans into kerfuffle because he automatically is like, "How did you know? How did you know that that was my daughter that was brought in, and that that is why I'm here, and I have given up my entire plan within five minutes?" And and he's like, "Did you tell them, Madison?" And Madison stands in the corner, like, "No fucking asshole, no, I didn't. Are you kidding me? What are you doing?" And uh, <laughs> luckily, Padre's like, uh, "Guys, I, I have the script." Right here. Yeah. That, that's how I know. Yeah. I mean, that's it, li- almost literally what he says. It's like, you know, you're not the first person to do this, right? <laughs> I mean, he's like, he even says, we sent to th- real notice when somebody brings in uh, a child and then moments later brings in somebody who wants to be a collector. We always try this because it's almost always the parent. And uh, of course, then that leads to Morgan and Madison kicking a little ass uh, to escape. Uh, Morgan gets away. Get Madison sacrifices herself to allow them to escape. Right. We do not see the actual escape much as we don't see the actual escape later that Madison will do. Right. There's a, there's a jump in between. I am. I have the gun. I'm going to open the door and go out. And then. And then magic happens. How did? Okay. Now how? We're, I, I, I want to fan fiction this out a little bit. 
Um, how do we think Morgan, got, in a compound he is not familiar with at all, found his way to where they were keeping Mo, and then got to some sort of boat? How he had to get to some sort of boat after that, mm. and then get off and then run into the forest. Mm. How? Do we well, think the gr- that? that's that's one of the it's one of the common things about about this this franchise is if there is a like for instance an escape that needs to happen, it just happens over there. <laughs> <laughs> I know it happens over there, and we just have to accept that that's what happened. We know that our guys are competent guys, mm-hmm. but and they would so- have had to do some real ninja shit. To get to get off of that island, it's, right? It's always a great sign when, right off the bat, our villains are demonstrated as being completely incompetent. That really give establishes their threat. Here's kind of what I like to think happened. Mm-hmm. So Morgan gets out and he's running and he's expecting to to come across adults to fight him, but everybody that he came across was a kid. Maybe like, eat your vegetables and then run. The back. oldest is like 13 or 14. And they're all like, oh, my God, sir. And so and he probably didn't kill a bunch of people. Probably knocked a bunch of people down. Uh, when my youngest daughter was little, one of my favorite things to do would be to grab her by her cute little baby head and just push her down because she was very low to the ground. And she thought it was hilarious. And it got a little, you know, honestly, got a little, I was able to relieve a little stress. When you just, when you, if you ever pushed a three-year-old to the ground, it is delightful. I'm going to do that yeah, tomorrow. Absolutely. Go to the park. Go to the park and you see a little baby toddle up towards you. Just grab it by its little baby head and just push it. You don't have to push hard. They, they're very low center of gravity and they will just land on their bottoms and they think it's hilarious he's not he's not kidding because uh the two-year-old that i was hanging out with at, at my friends who when i stay in kansas city i stay with them and they have a small child i'll just grab him by the ankle and pick him up upside down and he fucking just starts laughing they love it they love it so that's drop how... that kid on his head and he would think it was hilarious well i was dropped on my head when i was around that age you don't want to do that so the makers. I of- know it explains a lot, Timothy. The makers of Apocalypse Now would like to officially state that dropping children on their head and pushing them to the ground is not recommended. We don't have to tell them that. If they listen to this show, so they don't have to watch the show. So <laughs> anyway, so yeah. my feeling is that he ran. He saw a bunch of kids while he was there. Mm. And the kids didn't really, honestly, like, I feel like he probably saw a bunch of kids while he was there. He noted as he was escaping that the children did not look underfed or malnutrition, malnourished or anything like that. Didn't seem to, they needed, he didn't need to start scooping up babies on his way out. They didn't have silver lame suits going, hail Voltron. Right. So anyway, (laughs) uh, so that later it makes a little bit more sense in my mind if I, if I add that, that, that he does what he does. So anyway, Morgan escapes and then we, we, we get a flash forward eight years, eight 
years. How many seven. years does that put us in? So uh, seven, seven years actually, because Mo is now eight. She was one before. Mm -hmm. So seven years, but it's 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 a lot of years. It now puts us in the final. This final season of Fear the Walking Dead is currently taking place the same time as the final season of The Walking Dead. How have, interesting. We have been brought into alignment so that the survivors of Fear of the Walking Dead can show up in the spin-off shows. I, sure. I I have decided I have decided that my personal fan fiction now is that <clears throat> Madison is going to show up in the Rick and Michonne show because I, I would want that. <laughs> I would lose my damn mind. Because Madison if, is the anti-Rick, and when anti-Rick and Rick collide... It's all anybody's ever wanted since boom. the two shows started. Boom. It's all... And you know, we like Fear the Walking Dead so much more than we liked Walking Dead. We are just sitting here girling out about it. We're really... We've not even made it oh, two boom. minutes into the actual episode, and I feel like our nitpicking about it has been good-natured in a way that it never was for Fear. Oh, or for normal, normal okay. Well, hang on. You say that, but remember that Madison had a husband. Yeah, we hated that. And guy. Remember that he had a son. We hated that guy too. Our hate for Fear of the Walking Chris! Dead. Chris. Our hate for Fear of the Walking Dead has always been real. Madison, we have always loved because Madison is a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, we're and, weird. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, okay, cast your mind back to the very first episode where she straight up murdered, you know, her, her, her friend and boss is turned into a zombie and she beats him to death with a fire extinguisher. And the look on her face is she's not scared. She's just like, well, guess I got to beat the guy to death with a fire extinguisher now. And <laughs> when we, I guess today that's what we're doing is fire and extinguisher. That's, and that's when we knew that Madison was going to be the best thing about this show. And that has never changed. She I like I like Kim Dickens, show. but I'm not in love with Madison. Oh, Madison! Want to marry Kim Dickens? Kim Dickens, Madi if you're listening to this, I'm I'm uh, I'm not a very good catch, but I still want to marry you. I always appreciated the fact that somewhere in their minds, when they were coming up with this show, they sat there and went, "What if we made our main character?" A monster and just like just like well i mean when we first started watching this it was like well that was the first gonna end up being the villain that, that the final villain the final boss villain for rick i mean it's gonna be these guys are on a collision course they have to be well they abandoned that idea a oh, long yeah. time ago that group of writers was fired so long ago it was it was i think really about the point where matt well the point where madison blew herself up that whole sequence was the end that was the end and then it became the morgan show i love lenny james he's an amazing actor and i you know i cannot fault him for going for the paycheck but this show wastes him so much and always has i don't i don't understand why the the producers and writers and everybody they just don't get what this show is they they try so many different things and they still haven't tapped in to what this show could be it's kind of like the last season of game of thrones up until that point you've got a roadmap and then of course george R. R. martin can't finish a book so you know they just gotta wing it and they don't know what they're doing and these folks you know yeah kirkman was involved in the in the creation of this show but he didn't have anything to do with the writing or the plotting. 
No, no, no. And that's 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 our that's our producing team and our writing team. They're they're working together to make the show suck. I mean, when you, you go back and you look at that first season of this show, because we didn't see the early days of the zombie apocalypse on The Walking Dead. We woke up with Rick, right? Mm-hmm. And here we were like, we get the we get the you know the day of, right? We, we get see Rick. the collapse. Right. And of course, it was the same dumb collapse we always get in these things where it's like and everything falls apart immediately. The The idea here of this family unit, this actual family unit trying to survive through this, that's what this show was about. And then it was about everything else but that. Yeah. And then by the time we get to where it becomes the Morgan show, we've got this ensemble cast of people who it's not that family unit anymore. That's what made this show different than the other show is that it really was about like five people and one of them was a terrible teenager Chris, um and his dad who travis travis who was only good in his like last five episodes well that's when they decided to do their first first reboot of the show was to get rid of those two characters who had basically served their purpose and focus more on the character because it was supposed the show was supposed to be about travis if you watch the first two seasons, they're almost exclusively about Travis and his family. You know, Madison and her side of the family are there to cause goofy drama. Oh, he's a drug addict. Oh, she's a teenage girl who who can't, you know, who called the pirates. The pirates came because the teenage girl called them. Yeah, they 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 always throw a kid in there to fucking throw wrench after wrench after wrench into the works and it right. I hate I fucking hate it. I feel like that was the first real thing that they de- they decided was, oh, Travis and Chris, everybody hates those two people. And so let's get rid of them as quickly as we possibly can. And that's what happens in season three. Travis and Chris are both dead in season three before the halfway point. The sad thing is, is that they finally took that long to actually figure out stuff to actually give Travis to do. He got interesting in his last like five episodes and then they killed him. Couldn't you guys have done the interesting part earlier? Because we've been waiting for him to die for a while now, thanks. Well, now they've introduced this little kid, Red, and I can't wait for her to die no do you want to talk about teflon plot armor ren is now our new judith (laughs) nothing is gonna affect that child oh man she needs to look at some flowers no she won't ever see a flower (laughs) they gave that baby a hammer and that baby is gonna be uh having exciting times here's the thing they don't know how to write kids they don't know how to write humans well they don't yeah okay fair enough but but kids they tried it with that other show and they're doing the same shit here but the the sad thing is is they're doing the writing of kids in the zombie apocalypse the young you know teenagers and and you know preteens so much better in this one episode and i'm not saying it's good let's be clear I'm saying it's so much better than Walking Dead World Beyond that that just puts it more in perspective how bad yeah. that show is. But I'm sorry. If you're eight yeah. fucking years old, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> you just <laughs> shut up in a situation like that. You don't have a point of view here. You know, you've never been outside. you never done anything. Well, These guys know all the fuck about it, but you know better? You're fucking eight. Shut the fuck up. So there's there's some... There's a whole lot of visual shorthand going on in this episode about the the world of Padre and how they're raising these kids. They raise a whole lot of questions that I don't give a shit about. <laughs> well, I noticed, I noticed, like I said, that 
there were very, very few adults mm-hmm. around. Well, and it's the ones who the were old- adults were like guards. Yeah. Everybody, the people doing the training were teenagers. There are very few adults in this society. It, it looked to me like they were doing homework. Like they got trained by the adults. And now they're off practicing. Well, we got, we, we had the little open air classroom thing going on with the guy with the chalkboard. And then we have the, the folks, the kids who are making ammunition. We have the kids who are training and, and, you know, for fighting stuff. So they're building their little child militia, which again, you know, shorthand for who the bad guys are. We're training, we're training the children to be killers always. To what end? Well, that's, that's my question. I mean, what, what is their long-term plan here? To conquer the other settlements around them. This is, I mean, there are none. They don't know how to create an original set of villains in the Walking Dead universe. They all come in the one flavor of lunatic leader who somehow has convinced a whole bunch of gullible morons, apparently, to follow them. Yeah, someone, someone who doesn't doesn't want. And it's to be all seen. very much like we're going to do this one fill in the blank thing, and then magic happens in step two, and then profit. <laughs> It's that's how they all are. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, um, we are going to keep the dead in the basement because it's like uh, a Roman Catholic weird thing, very Dia de las Muerte. Then fill in the blank for step two and the prophet. Mm-hmm. Oh no, Madison came and burned our, our building to the ground. And then, okay, well, we're going to pretend that I'm immune. Because I got bit by a weirdo who everybody thought was a zombie, but he wasn't. And then magic will happen here. And the prophet, oops, I trusted Nick and he's a drug addict. And now we're all destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is not the first time this has happened. Unfortunately, this will probably be the last because we only have. Let's digress. The interrogation is not going well. (laughs) You mean let's escape our digression? Yeah. So, um, so, right. so now, now we're in the future. Right. And, and, and so we meet Ren for the first time. She is being trained. Uh, they they bring in a walker. Uh, they call them Carrion in this because they're very bird-themed. So they bring in a walker. They bust out his teeth. They fill his mouth with a green sponge. And then she's supposed to fight him to the death. But... Ren has weird flashbacks of her traumatizing child as a baby, childhood as a baby, and it makes her freeze whenever she's around walkers, and nobody can figure out why. Uh, now, it is a ve- it is a very YA girl heroine thing to have as a as a uh, weakness. My personal headcanon is that one of the writers of this show stumbled across our podcast. They heard us <laughs> talking about the fact. That the poor little kid playing this baby is going to be traumatized, traumatized. <laughs> and so they're like, "Oh, hey, we should make, we should make her traumatized as a as a as an eight year old." What if that were true? Oh. What if what if unbeknownst to us, we are influencing the outcome of a national TV show? Uh. I I, I want to cut. Of <laughs> is, I mean, I, I don't want to lease a writing credit. I do want to cut. Is. Just have Bethany call us. Have <laughs> Bethany call us and and tell us that she listens. She respects us. 
the odds of that are, are are better be considering you know all the lawsuits between walking dead uh showrunners and amc for actually you know getting paid what they're supposed to so anyway, the, odds, so, the odds of bethany calling us are, are better ren is sucks at being a zombie hunter but she wants to really bad super hard get off the island and become a protector of the island she wants to protect padre and so she goes to the teenager who is her main teacher senpai and is like notice me please why don't you teach me better and senpai's all like i am trying to train for my own uh, uh ninja exam so I have to do my own stuff. And so then Ren is like, well, what if I did all your chores for a month and you trained me secretly? And Senpai is like, okay, fine, we'll do that. So in the course of doing Senpai's chores, Ren is bringing some air tanks to a basement. And when she gets to the basement door, she's supposed to leave the air tanks at the top of the stairs. Well, one of the air tanks falls down the stairs and convenience of all conveniences, she discovers Madison locked in, an, in a cell. And they have gone to no, they've spared no expense to keep Madison alive. She is in an air pressured cell with like pumps and and do hickey dads and it's very clean in there because she was in a fire she was next to a fire once and so now her lungs are ooky yeah 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 all she had to do is make a spark in an oxygen impregnated room and it would have been like that apollo mission man yeah well she we get a a shot of how her days go or at least her weeks because she gets visited periodically and they inject her with something they take blood out of her they don't inject her with oh anything. i thought they were i thought they were injecting her mm -hmm. um, yeah they, they're harvesting which is curious because um why yeah that that's uh that's one of those questions that i referenced earlier can't wait to not <laughs> well nobody has that. as we know no one has blood types in the walking dead universe uh so i'm sure i'm sure that she's just being uh blood banked or something or who knows i like to think that the hundreds of marks on the wall were she started with one and there was like now cut try it again and then the last the 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 one they kept was like the nine millionth little hash mark that she makes on the wall <laughs> she finally got it fucking right <laughs> and so they had to rewrite the script to say it was seven years later because of that scene because <laughs> Kim Dickens can't draw a line. <laughs> so uh, more, uh, so Madison tries to like flag Ren down, but that scares her and she runs away. But now her curiosity is peaked. And so next time she's training with Senpai, she asks her, hey, what's with the lady in the basement? And uh, Senpai does not do very well at uh guiding her away from her interest in this woman because she's like dude that lady is crazy she killed like 40 people with a hammer and she like fought a bear and then there was this time where she almost killed padre and nobody's ever even seen his whole damn face before and and so little ren is like way into now going and visiting Morgan in the basement. Or maybe it's Madison in the basement. But we're calling Madison Lark for a dumb reason right now. They call her Lark. Bird names. Everybody got a bird name. 
Don't you know that the bird is the word? I have heard. Oh God, that the bird is the if, word. If this is yeah, all the... going to build up to somebody actually saying that line in this show, that'll be the last line of the show. Well, the bird is the word. <laughs> uh, vomit. If, okay. if they do that on one hand, I would be like, all right, bold move. I got to give you credit for, for setting this up. That That is a dumb way to go out, but bold. And then it flashes to the Family Guy scene where it's Peter Griffin dancing to the bird song. <laughs> I would just get up. I would just get up and start walking until I hit the ocean and just walk into the ocean. If that happened oh that would be so dumb and yet i kind of want to see it now <laughs> so anyway ren goes back and she's like i want you to teach me how to be a badass ninja lady and uh and madison is like hello i'm in a, in a cage how am i supposed to do that for you and all ren knows is she like beat the shit out of 10 guards with a with a sledgehammer Right. And so she brought a sledgehammer to be to be introduced to how to do it. Oh, oh, we skipped the part where after she had her blood drawn, Madison tried to kill herself. Oh, yeah, that was because good. she that was so wants good. to die because it's terrible there. The thing that she does is she tricks Ren, which is not easy because Ren's only eight years old. Uh, she tricks Ren into giving her the hammer, uh, which she then uses to try and break glass out of the door so she could cut her own throat because right now more madison's in a very like self-destructive moment you know she wants would rather die than remain in prison grackle gets there in time oh well and, no uh, first first she sees that there is a unique scar oh on, right on we ren's wrist that was almost a hard thing to say we ren's wrist never attempted again oh my um, and because no scar has ever been the same scar in the history of scars, she's like, how old are you? And it's like, I'm eight. And Madison's like, oh, shit. I've been <laughs> here for seven years. I haven't. Well, okay. How did all. Madison know what the scar was? Because she was caught. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe Madison tried to do convenience. It. This is, again, we come back to a whole other, another bit of convenience here. Um, by the way, nobody in this show has aged except for Mo. Mo is the only one who has gotten any older. Every actor in the rest of it looks exactly the same as they did last season. We've seen so far because time jump and we can't be bothered to do makeup stuff. So, well, and you know, really, how much have you changed in eight years? Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this good for the next eight dude. years. Yeah, you've gone completely gray, but I am. <laughs> Yeah. eight years ago there was still brown in my hair and yeah. there was still a fair amount i mean yeah you, oh no i mean and we're well, talking, if you try to gray a person's hair now it just looks chalky well you know? but i mean you look at these folks and, and you i mean the world that they live in the idea that that is not going to age you and i realize okay and look it's you're making a tv show the costs of this stuff it's not practical to age these folks in any way it's a whole lot of hand waving around you know the yeah. idea that you know just just run with it folks this is a tv show it's about zombies get over it 
it's just a thing to point out that nobody is older. <laughs> I felt similarly about Lost when Hurley lost no fucking weight while he was starving to death on a fucking island. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the fact that any of these folks have any body fat on them at all on any they of should, these they walking shows. Yeah, but I mean, you can't say, hey, I, I know we're I know we're paying you, you know, a little bit to do this show, but we're also going to need you to look like you just walked out of Dachau. Yeah. yeah. Well, Andrew Lincoln, and you can't have anybody like commit as hard as Andrew Lincoln committed. Well, Norman Reedus did a pretty good job of being like, I'm going to be disgusting. But the people on this show don't want to do that. Like Jenna Elfman is not super excited to waste away and she oh. wants to be apocalypse hot. She wants to wear weird uh, leggings that she somehow got from the only H&M that survived the apocalypse. And I'm fine. And with have that. perfectly tousled hair that looks maybe a little dirty. I am fine with that because Jenna Elfman is a lovely woman. But none of these folks look like they spend any amount of time near the amount of radiation that they spent time near. Oh, I can't wait till we get we get more of our our main cast back and we discover that Charlie survived the radiation poisoning. Oh yeah, no, I mean that's just. I I feel very very strongly that Charlie will have survived the radiation poisoning. Whether or not that happens, we might get a very touching scene with uh, Ruben Blades talking about holding her hand as she died and how that cured his dementia. But I doubt. Seriously, that that's the case. I have a feeling that we're going to see a, a completely unhinged Ruben Blades being taken care of by a still alive Charlie. Who is played by a different actress because that actress has not aged seven years. And I have news there that actress seven years from now is going to look a lot different just because she's a teenager. Let's talk about what we saw. Yeah, fair. Yeah. So... Can we get through this fucking episode? <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is a season premiere, Curtis. It's, we always have to speculate a little about what we're going to find. Well, do. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't mind the speculation at all, but, but we got to get through it. We do. Okay. So it's very, very cut and dry from this point on. Madison escapes. She kidnaps Ren because it is her job. She feels like it is her job to get Ren away from Padre because that was the whole point of why she was in prison all this wet time was because she thought Morgan and Mo had escaped and were living their best life in somewhere else. Uh, but as soon as she discovered that's not true, she is going to make it happen. So help me fucking God. So she magics her way out of her cell, past all the guards, gets a boat, and escapes with Ren. And the whole time Ren is all like, I'm going back. I love Padre. And Madison's like, yes, I'm sure you do. But then who should show up but Morgan? Okay, but wait. And first, what first, is first, first, they get to this little place and they have arguments, right? I want to go yeah. back. You can't go back. I'm just I'm saving you. You're not saving me. And they tussle. And Ren breaks Madison's air tank. Oh, right. So Madison is now like, ah. instead of instead of being the Madison we've all grown to know and love, which would have resulted in you little bitch, and that would have been the end of the show, <laughs> uh, because it's Madison. No, she's like, oh, I'll just deal with it. And zombies attack, and Ren freezes, and she's like, okay, I can handle myself. Madison's like, 
you really can't. You, you, right. You can't. But we get to see Madison with her sledgehammer now. She's she's upgraded to a sledgehammer. And she does boil a couple of good zombies and she oh, takes yeah. out guards with it. So Ren is getting an education on how to wield a sledgehammer as a weapon. Right. And and basically, folks, it's it's let the weight of the sledgehammer do a lot of the work, right? It's all about, you know, get that swing going, let the weight of the hammer move. But they are finding themselves in a dangerous situation, but conveniently, they are rescued. Ish. By Morgan. He was nearby and he heard on the radio what happened and he figured she's going to come to the place we went seven years ago. Yeah, this is where the writing on this episode takes a real shit. The, it's not a three-dimensional world where you can go in any direction whatsoever. You can only go that way. The way you went before, because that worked so well before. Right. Well, but they were like kind of said, they were kind of painted into a corner because of zombies. Well, right. it, so it, it is kind of that young adult thing, like you mentioned, Dustin. It's it's the the repeating of the path you took with your previous life. I mean, there's all kinds of things that as a young adult taking. Well, again, we're we're in, we're in the first, this episode is essentially chapter one of story with Ren as our protagonist, Mm -hmm. Uh, because she has to have, she has to meet her true mentor. She has to discover the, the world's dark secret. And the next is going to be her raising the army to destroy the evil that has been thrust upon her and her and her uh, dystopian future. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. And I'm surprised we haven't been introduced to the hunky boy that is her best friend. And then the boy who is going to be her like bitter possibly, rival. Possibly because she's eight. You don't know. I possibly anyway. because she's eight. <laughs> I mean, that's just creepy. We watched Judith become a lesbian on the last season of Fear of the Walking of, of the last season of Walking Dead when she met that girl at the radio st- at the record place that does records. Record place? Record store? Yeah, we'll see. Record place that does what for the records. Gotcha. We'll see we'll see how their their representation goes as the season progresses because Right. I have a feeling that uh, Shrike is going to is going to have a girlfriend or a wife. The leader of the group, Padre, I think he's just going to have a whole bunch of dudes chained up, sir. That he just I I felt okay. I was going to wait till the end for this, but I felt like his voice was really, really familiar. Did I, you feel like his voice was familiar? Um, it is. It's a, going to be somebody that we've already met because they're going to such lengths to hide his face right now. But I really think so too. I feel like it's going to be somebody that we have met. Okay. Now, admittedly, we are in the entire everything is so bloody convenient because convenience that that would not surprise me. But who would it be? Because everyone else is dead. None of the well, these, it's going to have to. Are locusts. <laughs> They're... I think it was probably got to be somebody from from pr- a previous season, and that would explain why they're keeping Madison around. Like an early season, like yeah, I'm thinking season two or three. Who did not she... Leon Rippey? I bet it's another Deadwood actor. Well, that would be fantastic. that would make a lot of sense, and that yeah. might explain why we're all like we know that voice. So Morgan shows up, but he's not there to rescue his daughter. He's there to give her back to Padre. 
because he made a deal all those years ago that she would be safe and he would become another recruiter, collector, whatever they're called. And yeah. that just like Madison just loses it. She's like, what? That is crazy talk. Because remember that the collectors are the folks who go out and they take children from their parents, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, to be this child army that Padre is building. This is not a noble calling, no matter how much Padre wants to dress it up and we're saving these kids. This is, you know, monstrous behavior that should not be supported. Matt's righteous indignation is, even though she did the same thing, um, is not misplaced. But I will say this. It is 100% in Morgan's character to do this. I feel like this is exactly in his wheelhouse of like, you know, because he has those moral quandaries and, and those crazy like delves into... Like, he is a moral character in that way that, like, as long as it makes sense to him, he can justify it. Because mm. we've seen him do that many, many times. And it's 100% to me, like, that he would do that. He'd be like, I'm justifying doing this because I need to justify to do this. And that's how it is. Which has not necessarily led to good writing for him. Well, at least it's consistent. Consistently bad, yeah. Oh, well, I didn't say it was good. Hey, Tim, on the IMDb, do they have an actor listed for Padre? I don't know. Let's see here. My investigative instincts are kicking in. But I don't want to open have, the internet because my connection is pretty good right now. I have a feeling that they don't. So we do not currently see voice of Padre. In fact, we have some folks listed here who are not in this episode on this list. Maya Eshet, by the way, is the actress who plays Shrike, who Dustin uh, was talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a dove that I don't think we met in this episode. Um, Sherry is credited. Dwight is credited. We saw them in the credits. Well, uh, Dove is her little, little trainer, isn't she? Oh, maybe that is. maybe that is who that is um yeah we don't see us we've got padre resident and padre guard um mm -hmm. not actually have the voice oh i'm, I'm gonna stay away from the user reviews um <laughs> morgan is like i gotta take them back i gotta take you back to padre where you will be safe and madison is like you have lost your mind <laughs> and he's like but i have justified it in my brain so there is nothing you can say that is going to make me change my mind mm -hmm. and she's like fine i guess i'll just have to like try and convince you so the three of them go tromping through the swamp while he tries to convince her like he tries to get in contact with padre and ren is like yay going back to padre uh, and Madison is like, no, no more Padre. And it's a kind of a dumb dynamic, honestly. And they're fighting tooth and nail to keep this whole Padre thing alive. Right. Trying to make fetch happen. Yeah. They talked about it too damn much last season to not have it be a thing. But here it is. Right. It's a thing. So eventually they get to a houseboat and there are walkers all around. But Morgan's like, as long as we're quiet, they will not bother us. But Ren is like really freaking out. She's like, something happened to me here. I can feel it. 
Morgan's like, don't think about things. He's a very boomer parent in that way. <laughs> don't think about the things that made you crazy. That's what I did. I didn't think about the things that made me crazy. And uh, aside from the writing, so they get writing on the wall, which of course is when Morgan Morgan has had a history of writing things on walls. Do we see what that was that was written? I didn't really get it. Feel like I got a good look at it. So there were some names, and there was uh, I can't remember what the what county name it was, but there's it. it uh, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd want to go back and look and see what the names were and cast my mind back to what his son and wife's name were. But yeah. Morgan has got mental issues. When we first met Morgan, there was a whole lot of scrawlings on the wall. That's a little bit. When we re-met Morgan. Yeah. I mean, so I think that this is not a terribly huge surprise to find Morgan staying in a place where writing ended up on the walls but no he, surprise that that wasn't even explained we have we're just left to figure it out i think that people who have been following the character of morgan for all of this time who followed him over from walking dead know that if there's writing on the walls it was morgan and he did it in a psychotic episode <laughs> right <laughs> Because that's, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, when he was saying, I don't know, it was there when I got here. I was like, bullshit, Morgan, you did that. Right. But he's trying very hard not to explain things to this little girl who keeps, who Is won't that, stop asking questions. That was what the writers did because they didn't know how to explain what the, they, they didn't know. Yeah. So eventually they had a little bit of a, an epiphany. And then that was probably about the same time the little girl remembered what happened. And right conveniently you know but it <laughs> which takes, is the exact same thing that happens again but she finds the, very irritating she finds the uh tape recorder that she, they would play for her when she was a baby and she puts it on and then it all comes flooding back like it does this is this is a trope in fiction of course that if you hear the distant voice of the thing or the music piece and suddenly all the memories come rushing back the memories you formed when you were one years old it's not it's right. not like that doesn't happen. I mean shit. I mean, oh, you know, I'll I'll hear a song from the 80s and remember a day that I haven't thought about in 35 years. Right. You know? I mean, uh uh sound and smell, mm -hmm. both of which are are incredibly strong triggers for for memory. The idea that you're going to remember something from when you were 1 years old in the clarity that she remembers all of this stuff is something that you are likely to find in young adult fiction. In the real world, that's not, and, and I, okay, this is how we show, this is how we show memories in, in on TV shows and movies, right? Note, that's not how you remember things, <laughs> but that's okay. It's, it's shorthand for the audience. It's all right. It's all right. And it doesn't help that uh, literally the exact same thing that happened all those years ago is happening again for verbatim because what happened all those years ago is Morgan found this houseboat and thought they would be safe and the walkers came and tried, almost submerged it and he had to call Padre for help to come and save him and Mo, and that's when he made the deal to join them and give Mo over to them. Well, what happens this time is the walkers, they make too much noise, and the walkers come and start to submerge the houseboat, but who threw all the radios in the murky, murky depths of the water? That was Madison. And uh, so now they have to fight them all off instead of being rescued by Padre. This gives us uh, our chance to split up the group, 
and for Madison to go, go on, leave me. I want to die. And for Morgan to say, she wants to die. Let's go. And for Ren to go, my foot is stuck in the ground. Yeah, because I'm a liability at every single turn. And that's when she gets to have her flashback to, because she's being menaced by a walker and she, so her, her mind takes her back. She's already had the, she started had the cueing through the music. <laughs> uh, many, many times she had been menaced by a walker as a yeah. small child. And this, of course, she remembers the most recent one where, you know, or of course she was separated from her parents at that point. So, so there's, some, there's some trauma there. And as a small baby actor uh, who is going to grow up under many, many years of therapy, so she gets to have the whole, oh, no, I um, cannot move as the walker closes in on me. I get it was the writer's idea not to to draw this right the fuck out. But, I mean, they're not doing that girl any favors, not telling her stuff, you know. Right. I mean, if she wants to be all grown up, treat her like it, you know. Well, I mean. Give her, give her the worst. Well, but I mean, we've got yeah, you mystery, but they have to build a mystery for us as well. Yeah, like, I know, I know, I know. We yeah. also have to have Morgan going. I cannot talk to you about anything of of meaningfulness because then you will remember that you are my child when you were a baby at one years old when they took you away, and it's been seven years, and you have seven years of memories to crowd all that stuff out. And most of it is actually going to be clear for you as opposed to when you were a small baby, just trying to figure out the world, which was weird. I still don't think that you can form permanent memories until like three. I absolutely believe that, that they, she could have memories. I just don't think that they're going to be this sharp and clear, but again, TV shorthand, but I can remember stuff when I was two, I think. I think there was some things that I remember when I was two. This is an entire generation of children who are growing up being deeply, deeply traumatized. I can believe that she would have some memory of this, but also jaded as all hell because this is the world they grew up in. This gives Madison a chance to go, no, no, take me. And so she starts making noise. And I, for a second, was like, oh, God. If they kill Matt, if they made such a big deal about bringing her back, wait until the last episode of the season last season, and then killed her in the first episode of the new season, oh, you'd have to find another host for this show. You, I'm not kidding. I would have been like, nope, I'm not doing it. You boys have a good night. I will talk to you when we are watching something else. I, I you know, I, I, I 100% think that would have been a bullshit move. On the other hand, I would have sat there when you guys went there. <laughs> I would have really. I, okay, I will tell you this. I see. I will. I, I see for Madison only two outcomes, and it all depends on what Alicia Younger's wit wants to do. And those outcomes are as follows. She sacrifices herself heroically and is a hero lauded by whatever community they create after she is gone. Number two, she is reunited with her daughter, Alicia, who is still alive and was not dead at the end of last season. And they have a wonderful, touching reunion. Everything is wonderful. One of the two things, and it depends I, on what the actress who plays Alicia wants to do. 
I think we're going to get a combination of the two. I think that Alicia is going to come back in the final episode for five minutes, and it's going to be there so that she can have found her mother after her mother has sacrificed herself for the greater good and inspired an entire settlement of sociopaths in her honor. (laughs) (laughs) Because that will be up there and go, well, clearly that's what we, we, we must become. And and she will she'll be there lying there wheezing her last set of wheezes, and Alicia will come riding over the uh, over the ridge, and she'll be like mother, and she'll be like Alicia, and they will they will clasp this you know they'll be reunited, clasp each other together, and it'll go to credits. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> where are we at? But she's so who does mud. show up? Yeah, everybody's about to die. Everybody's about to die when suddenly who should show up but Grace. Through the power and, of but, convenience compels you. <laughs> on her little boat. And she saves the day. Grace, and every time she, somebody it, finds somebody in this episode, they go, I heard the radio chatter. So I came, came to help. Came Grace, to do has a become, thing. Grace has become a crack shot, by the way. She, right. she shoots a whole lot of zombies who are like right next to Madison and doesn't even accidentally shoot Madison once. It's just Brit, all headshots. <laughs> which, right. which would have been perfect if she sit there and Madison's like, I am saved, whack. And then that's they, they killed Madison. Right. It's like great. They should have killed Madison. I would have so much respect for this episode if they'd have just let Madison do it. Just yeah. let her fucking die. Grace has no qualms about telling Ren, oh, I'm your mom. Just thought you should know. I work for, for Padre too, and I never want to see you again. Could have sent you back there. And Madison is like, what the fuck happened to you people? And and Grace is like, well, you know, they said they'd give her a better life. And who are we to do? Who are we to judge? So uh, we just Grace, gave, her, gave her up. Grace has a code name of her own. Uh, she is Heron. Oh. Okay, fair enough. whatever right so uh they they all go back to the beach uh with annette funicello and then they are standing there and all of a sudden ren's like i don't want to go back i've changed my mind i found my parents and they always loved me apparently and i would like to run away with them and become uh a citizen of the zombie apocalypse world and Grace and Morgan are like, no, no, we're not going to do that. And I recognized that so hard as a parent that <laughs> no, we can't do that. I know it sounds really cool to run off into the wilderness and become zombie fighting marauders, but I promise you it is not in our best interests. So she's trying. She almost, I feel like, has them convinced because she's just like, Madison, you've got to come with us. And Madison's like, no, I need my oxygen. I was next to a fire one time. So then the boats come and take them all. And unfortunately for Morgan, because he's had this interaction, he is being recalled as a collector and now is going to be given another job, which is probably not going to be super great. Oh, I got the impression they're going to throw him in a cell, which is how he and Madison are going to escape again. Because what we have established in this episode is that these people are shit at guarding their prisoners because they keep escaping. And and they apparently walk around after the prisoners escape and go, I don't know how they got out. 
But this leads to a really awesome scene of Ren becoming the chosen one because she goes and she's interviewed by Padre and she says all the right things. I'm so glad to be back. I can't wait to contribute. And then she goes to Senpai and Senpai is like, wow, you're out in the thing. You don't have to fight Walker. Like, we, you can rest. You don't have to train anymore. And, and Ren is like, no, I think I got it. And she pulls out her fucking sledgehammer. And goes in and just like wails on a walker. And it's like, awesome. They gave the baby a sledgehammer. She's going to be the new barbarian of the party. Mm. It's going to be great. Mm. Well, because what this show needed was Judith. Dear sweet listener, you cannot see the way that Timothy Harvey's face crumbled after he said that imagine uh if you will philip seymour hoffman saying those lines and the pathos that he would deliver it and then the sadness on his face where you got to see that brilliant actor question every decision he's ever made in his life that led him to this moment where he has to say this thing about this television show and that image in your brain is what I just witnessed Timmy Huffley, Timothy Harvey's face do. And I was so enraptured that I didn't notice that Curtis had vomited and died. That is how much they loathed the idea of the fact that what this show needed was a Judith. Mm. Ill-advised. Look, we already had the baby be the load for too many seasons, and now we've got the... I, I mean, okay. Basically, basically, new Judith is going to be a pain in our dicks for the whole season. <laughs> I mean... Uh... Okay, listen, I get young actors will probably, I mean, she might, that young woman might stumble across this and think we hate her. We do not hate her. She is a fine actor. However, maybe she should complain to the writing department. Well, she's, the, the adults have been complaining to the writing department for eight years now, and it hasn't helped. So she's just, I mean, she might be the straw that break, breaks the camel's back, but based on this episode, not so much. Too uh, many cooks. Too many cooks. Ever since Madison, they decided to kill off Madison. They have not had any idea what to do with this show. And so every season they've reinvented it because they're like, well, well fuck, let's try this then. And that's where we are now. Oh, man. When they when they ended uh, the season before last with just a giant holocaust. Right. I mean, that was fun. And then we were all looking forward to the next season. And then it happened. And we were like, what the shit? shit is all this i was looking forward to a brand new cast because every single one of those folks should have been dead part of me that honestly thinks after watching this episode that at least somebody on the writing staff of this particular walking dead series looked over at walking dead world beyond and went oh for fuck's sake we can do better than that and that's why we have because look there are so many teens and young actors in the show that we have just seen in the background we spent a lot of time with senpai well, they're all and, gonna get a fucking backstory too well, i bet the thing is that we're the end of this season is going to be this child army being led by our heroes off into the sunset to rebuild the world that's where this is going 
I will be yeah. really surprised if that's not how this season ends with our child army being led off to be raised by the worst fucking role models. Well, why don't they just keep, I would love it. You know what I would love is if they just took over the fucking Island. Look at that Island. Did you see the things they had on that Island? Dustin. And also it's an Island. What can't get to you on an Island? Fucking zombie. Don't burn the island to the ground. Keep the fucking island. It's the last season of the show. Let the characters find a place to live already. But Dustin, would it be a Walking Dead show at that point? Commonwealth. They just did it. They just did it. All of our characters relaxing in Alexandria Hilltop all as part of the Commonwealth. Let the Fear of the Walking Dead cast have the same thing, damn it. They're, they're going to ride it right off the rails. I no, love I will that. say, I, okay, yes, this show goes way harder than Walking Dead ever did. And I think I would enjoy it greatly if what happens is they just, if they did, if they were just like, all right, we're going to commit. This show's always been harder than the other show. We're just going to kill the fuck out of everybody. And at the end of the show, I would think I would be okay if there were less happy endings than uh than sad ones if they were willing to magnificent seven this show and have you know all the main characters you know yul brenner dies like like a king and and we get madison taken out the if we get that silhouette shot where there's like four thousand walkers below her and she's just swinging the hammer and backlit and she's just a (laughs) silhouette I would take that shot. That would be so cool. And I would, that would be an, an epic way to her, for her to go out. It would be very, uh, the idea though, that this show is going to end essentially the same place that the main show ends just seems so unlikely to me that they would actually. See, I mean, I would, mean, I get that. I understand that. Um, but I also think that it is w- very likely because I feel like they're going to say that people don't want to see these characters that they have been following for years. They don't want to see everybody die. They want to see some people have good endings. Of course, of course. And, and I want that for characters. These shows have a lovely track record of screwing stuff up. I just get the impression that the egos... The egos are running this show. The people who want to put their stamp on it. They don't serve the story. They serve their career. I don't, I I, I honestly don't think that's the case only because none of them have. (laughs) Well, I mean, when we did America, well, when we did fetch, we all thought we were going to, going to be something after that. And then we did. And then we weren't sure we are. We're, we're, we're podcast hosts. I can't force people to watch that fucking movie. (laughs) We, we are very successful. We have a podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. Like (laughs) nobody else has a podcast, Curtis. We are the only ones. That's that's fine with me. We are the only entertainment podcast out there in the world. Is that what we're doing? (laughs) Hey, Dustin. Are you still friends with uh, um, Ashlyn? I am not still friends with Ashlyn. How about you? I wasn't. I would. I would venture to say that I was never friends with Ashlyn. I just spent a lot of time with her because our roles dictated it. Yes. Well, yes. Communicated a little bit with her over the years, and mostly just you know the the usual social media stuff, like nothing. 
I want us to invite her onto the show. Oh. Oh, I'm I'm sure that we could we could certainly ask her. I'd be perfectly com- comfortable, you know, seeing if she wanted to come play because we've talked before about having a, a fetch reunion, you know, doing something like that with this show. We can talk we can talk about that a little bit, but I really want her to watch a show with us and then and then give us her insight. <laughs> being a Hollywood insider that she is. Sure. Well, I think she still is. I don't, I don't yeah, actually know. Yeah, I think she's still acting. Let's double check that. I mean, she's got a family now. I'm not sure what uh, what it does is. she? That's wonderful. Yeah, she's got a kid. Cool. For those of you who don't know, we're talking about Ashlyn Yenny, who was segment three on Human Centipede One, and segment one on Human Centipede Two, and one of the stars of the film. American Maniacs, properly titled as Fetch, um, and uh, and Dustin and I saved her from the dogs on a regular basis. She's made a couple other things. Yeah, she's Hallmark movied a little bit. She's made some real dumb, dumb, uh, fun, great horror movies. The Wrong Mommy, Hidden Intentions, The Thing in the Apartment, Chapter Two. It's four minutes long. I'm sure that's fun. So yeah, she 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 does stuff. She does just does does stuff things. Yep. I just think we should we should we should ask her to come on do some because it was thirteen years ago. This yeah. very night. Actually, yeah. Well, no, it was the winter time. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, it was January, it was, February. It was the cold. <laughs> the yeah, coldest but... winter in Kansas history. Twenty twenty years. Something like that. So yeah. All right, so so our next episode, we have a little teaser, which gives us an impression that um, all of this stuff back here in Padre is about to turn into Morgan and Child against the world. It is Lone Wolf and Cub, and and I feel like we saw we saw some flashes of some of our other people. Saw right. a lot more Grace. Mm-hmm. We saw Dwight and Sherry. I feel like they're probably highwaymen now. I think Divorced. that we saw. <laughs> I think we saw either Jenna Elfman's character or Mo Collins character running after somebody with a gun. Yeah, it's we're we're getting the band back together and we're going yeah. to of course uh fight the evil that is uh uh Padre and I, I Oh, and we saw that apparently Ruben uh uh Ruben Blades and uh and Kip Dickens get a reunion. Yeah. But I did I noticeably did not see Strand. Right. And um, the subtitle, they actually mentioned Strand. She asks about him. Uh, Madison yeah. asks about him. And uh, <laughs> Morgan doesn't say the truth. He doesn't tell her the truth that he's not there because he's in a Broadway show. And uh, because he's <laughs> got a career outside of this entire thing and got that amazing voice and he sings too. So, you know, that's what's really going on is he's off making a musical. But um, I don't know what his current uh, schedule is, but that's usually what he's, you know, he's doing a lot of that kind of stuff. I will say that he is extremely, extremely proud of this show. And I don't think we're not going to, I think he'll be back for a good portion of the season when he can come back. Look, he absolutely gets to have a field day. I mean, this is a guy who... And got- he, I mean, he talks about how this show saved career. Uh, he loves this show. Yeah. So we'll see him again. Yeah, he's he's definitely someone who, as an actor, he gets to chew the scenery on this show in a way that is just a joy when you get to play the the suave villain. I mean, for Guy, kind of thought he got to have a writing crop last season. I mean, come on. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to twirl a mustache and everything. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So there, there we go. First episode of Fear the Walking Dead final season. It's a episode of Fear the Walking Dead and all the good and bad that that entails. I mean, we, we knew what it was when we signed up for it. Brought to you by Power Gel. Uh, Those idiots uh, didn't know what they were doing. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, there we go. Um, Brought to you by, why brought to you by the Outbreak Challenge, um, which is a uh, app you can get for your phone. It's an exercise app. You can be chased by zombies and win a medal and do all kinds of cool things. And OutbreakChallenge.com, check it out. Patreon, we're on there. Go sign up. Give us just a little money. So that I don't know, man, you know, maybe I can go to the dentist fund, fund our Save Curtis's teeth, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We have a Patreon account. You can find us there. Zone apocalypse now. And uh, we will happily take that money uh, and do things with it. And you can get stuff on the Patreon, extra episodes and cool stuff like that. So, all right, gentlemen, we will do this again because we've got a few more episodes of this show. And then We've got Walking Dead, Dead City coming up. The Negan and Maggie take Manhattan show. And then we've got the Daryl show. And then we've got the second half of this season of Fear the Walking Dead to wrap it up. So there's a whole lot of Walking Dead ahead of us. Because just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Yeah. So... Uh, well, but hey, you know, we signed up for this ride. Yes, we did. I didn't and, sign up for anything. And, you guys kidnapped me when <laughs> I was 10. Well, you can hear more opinions just like the ones you just heard next week uh, on Zompocalypse Now. How was That's, that? Was that a good one? It was very nice. It was very nice. So uh, on that note, thank you, Dustin. <laughs> thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Boy, am I glad I'm on antidepressants. Thank you, Tim. All right. Thank you, folks. We appreciate you listening. We'll see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.